fucking sucks. Having a podcast sucks. Everyone hates you, and you <laughs> everyone hates you uh, <laughs> for you know for existing. You know, it's not the cushy life of an investigatory journalist. Is, 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 is that what you are, Ken? Is that what you are? Are you an investigatory journalist? <laughs> yeah, I guess I would call myself. Yeah, investigative reporter. Oh, I mean, investigative. Okay, and, and you're one of the greatest ones. Although, please, you know, uh, don't correct me on my own show about the the term. <laughs> But in case you have not read the description of the episode, uh, today we will be talking to noted award-winning, I assume you've won awards for your work, Ken. Uh, if not, you can be the Chad of two of the month for the discourse. The only award that I'm legally allowed to give out after the last incident. <laughs> so, Ken Klippenstein, is it Stein or Stein? Stein, just like beer Stein. Okay, Kim Krasenstein. Uh, God damn you. I mean, you must get that all the time. I, I mean, I'm a big fan. I kind of, I'll admit, I missed the wave of, at the height of your brother's popularity. But now that they're gone, I, I got to admit, I missed them, you know. I've seen, you know, I've seen a number of memes that feel like shit just, just want them back. And I, I have to say, I don't, I don't always disagree. Yeah, you know, like, they it seems kind of like silly to think about it. I mean, and we'll, we'll get to, you know, the important work that you do after we, you know, indulge the memers out there who I assume are listening. <laughs> but like, they were such a pure kind of grifter, not like, not the, you know, the slick, uh, <laughs> yeah, Wall right. Street private equity, you know, private equity style grifter that, that you know, we're used to at, at late stage capitalism. But they were like legit snake oil salesmen. Like, only they and I would argue like Jacob Wall are like the like the last of like the real like we roll into town and try to sell you a tonic like <laughs> like grifters <laughs> like tent post uh, revival preacher kind of thing yeah it did feel like that like snake handlers my favorite one just super this past Super Bowl it was you know it was tough because I was you know people were thinking about I was thinking about them as uh, one of their old tweets went around it was um is as you're as you're rooting for you know go Patriots or go Rams, I'm sitting here saying go Robert Mueller and the rule of law. That was one of my all time favorites of theirs. They make you smile, you know, like they're they're up to no good and you know it, but like they make you smile. Like unlike Louise, it's like that tweet, <laughs> right, right. And you know, like the Louise Minch tweet, the like the famous one about Steve Bannon being publicly executed, and you're like <laughs> just thinking back on those, and you're like, wow, 2016 was forever ago, but it was just like a magical era. And now, you know, obviously we're here now. But I I, I appreciate you and your brothers, or as I like to call you affectionately, the three Ks. And so the discourse has the brothers K. No, no, I like the three Ks. In fact, I liked it so much when I thought it up. I, I had some shirts printed up, and you can buy uh, my three K shirt on the Discourse store. I've I've already sent many to your house, Ken. So I hope you uh, I hope to see you in some. Oh God! It is African American History Month, so you'll you know I'm sure you'll indulge me. But no, no, we've done enough cold open shit now. There's been a lot of news this week, obviously, with the Iowa caucus debacle and the end of the impeachment trials. And so it seems like the kind of week that we're already saturated and our attentions are already blown, you know, blown the fuck out of our minds by like the many scandals. And so it feels like it's easy for important things that occur to kind of fall by the wayside. And you actually did have an exclusive this week. It's important. And so let's, you know, get into it. Right. You Let's, let's jump right. Let's dive right in. So you just published a new piece in the nation, uh, exclusive customs and border pr protection gains an extra layer of secrecy. So you're the FOIA king. T tell me a little bit about this. Tell me a little bit about the story and why it's so, important that we don't let it get 
eaten up by the news cycle? Um, well, so um, this was, I like for quite a lot, but also like leaks. This document was leaked to me from inside the Customs and Border Protection Agency um, that contains Border Patrol. It's probably the most recognizable of its like um, law enforcement components. But um, what this leaked CBP document showed was that um, they've been given this fancy designation as a, quote, security agency, which is what the FBI and Secret Service and all these other very fancy um, intelligence and, and sort of sophisticated law enforcement agencies have. And basically what it gives them is protection against Freedom of Information Act requests, protection against transparency, essentially. Um, Freedom of Information, or FOIA for short, is a law that allows um, basically anyone, I don't think it's just U.S. citizens, it can also be uh, foreigners, for instance, to just request government records, documents produced by the you know federal U.S. government, um, on the grounds that you know our taxes paid for it, uh, and so that belongs to us, and so we should know what the government is up to. Um, but this new designation um, under the Trump administration gives Customs and Border Protection is the ability to essentially not produce all sorts of different information when, when somebody asks for, for instance, you know, uh, which individuals work in this department or who's staffing this part of, of CBP. They can just um, withhold that information. According to the leaked document, which was signed by um, the acting chief of CBP, because remember there are many um, seats that Trump has just not filled, and so he has essentially functionaries running them. And the problem then is that co the Congress, the Senate, doesn't, doesn't um, um, appoint them uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, th this document was signed by the acting chief of CBP, and, and um, in it, it has a kind of interesting and, and sort of darkly funny, I think, um, justification for, for these new security measures, which is that somebody was posting on Twitter mean things about them that included the salary information um, and sort of um, roles of some CBP officers. And so... Um, once you know you have a uh, person ship posting about you, you have to come down with the um, force of God, <laughs> and so that's why uh, if you if you look at the document and I, I link to it um, in the article, that's that's why they have all these new secrecy measures, essentially because someone troll was someone was trolling them on Twitter with already public information. By the way, yeah, I, I feel like I remember that happening. I feel like I remember there was about a twenty four hour period, and I think it happened like a few times where. People or groups, or in the case of the article and what you're, you know, the memo you cite, uh, like the banal government jobs bots, like you know, trollish accounts, like yeah, automated accounts, one. were, you know, were uh, like basically quote unquote doxing, but it was mostly just like releasing the names and salaries, public information, like you said, of people who are working as, you know, at ICE, at Customs Border Patrol. Yeah, obviously, because this was during the height of the we have concentration camps debate, uh, you know, the whole baby prison thing. Uh, it seems, again, so quaint thinking about our baby prisons. Uh, but like people were obviously incredibly disgusted by ICE and they still are. And, and it's it's funny that this is the rationale, but like, but I, I wonder what you think about because this designation is usually, like you said, for like frontline law enforcement officials, officials with, you know, agencies that handle highly secretive documents. It's like I wonder you've broken many other stories on ICE related to like the the changing levels of secrecy. I believe, right? I'm not, I'm not yeah. confusing you for your brothers again, of course. <laughs> well, I don't know what they perhaps they've been up to. Um, you know, some skullduggery with the various intelligence agencies but um i do i am as well so 
Okay, so you, you've broken other stories about ISIS changing rules in terms of secrecy, and I, I mean, I, I wonder if you see this as part of like a, as part of that pattern, oh, despite what's being cited related to like them no longer being forced to keep track of people who die under their watch or stuff like that. Oh yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly the right way to frame it. Um, and it, as context in the article, um, I, I describe um, some excellent reporting by um, Betsy Swan from the Daily Beast, showing that um, ICE had actually tried to um, join what's called the intelligence community, which is a, a group of different intelligence agencies, including the CIA, the um, ODNI, you know, DIA, all these very sophisticated spying agencies. Um, ICE tried to join this group and lobbied hard for it. Fortunately, they were rebuffed and they didn't ultimately, they weren't ultimately invited into it. And that's good because they would have um, been imbued with all sorts of um, sophisticated um uh, you know, spying uh, and intelligence capabilities. Um, now, even though they didn't join it, it seems as though the administration now is trying to create a sort of, um, how would I say, a kind of a kind of shadow intelligence community for for the different immigration authorities, not just CBP, but also um, ICE and um, some other components that work with um, work with um, immigration. So it seems like after they were rejected by that, it's just kind of like, well, how can we just give them more powers that that would basically create a create a, sh a shadow intel intel world? Um, so yeah, I think that's right. It definitely it seems like they're trying to you know just like construct the same kind of clearance, just mm -hmm. patchwork, you know, through a yeah. series of like slowly, you know, slowly shadowly done like uh, memos and directives. But I, I wonder, you know, because you're obviously doing a lot of work in the trenches with ICE, you know, doing a lot of important reporting here as they continue to more or less operate with impunity within our within our borders. So I wonder, but I wonder what you like, what the sort of rationale internally, or like, like what, like how are they? justifying this quote-unquote need for all this security besides trolling like why, why do like why should they not be you know subject to the oversight of the public and if you have any insight into that like like, like why do they need to be able to do this they don't seem to um worry a lot about producing an argument for why um because if this document had been leaked to me i don't think the public would know about it right now because they had done this all internally they never made a public statement about it when i contacted cbp's um, public affairs, which is supposed to interface with media and said, look, I, you know, had this document leaked to me, what's going on? Why are you guys doing it? And, you know, they're supposed to give them a chance very much in their interest to sort of tell their side at that point and say, oh, well, here's why we need to do it. Cause actually, you know, maybe these officers are in danger, even though the information is like a, a lot of it was already publicly available that that Twitter account had been posting, at least they could provide some rationale. They didn't even respond. And so after I published the leaked document and um, they tend to, I find that federal agencies tend to underestimate kind of um, reporters that work for kind of like um, indie outlets that have good social media presence because they think like, oh, this is the New York Times, who cares, no one's going to see it. Then of course it, you know, blew up on Twitter and then um, subsequent to my report, they confirmed to NBC that they had done this, um, but they still don't give much in the way of an explanation about why. So we just don't know. They don't have any argument for it beyond um, the uh, one passage in, in, in the memo on which the story is based where they're describing um, the need to defend and protect their um, their employees who they care so much about. But again, they're protecting them from having their salaries. And I mean, this guy was not posting their social security numbers. He was not posting their personal home. He was saying, like, here's this person's role and they work in this part of it. And it's kind of like an organizational flow chart and just an idea of how this institution functions, which I don't think puts anyone in danger, and, and I, I can't imagine what the argument against 
the public. I mean, you know, ordinary cops walk around with um, little um, nameplates on their, on their over, you know, by their badges. So it's like that. All this stuff seems like not outside of the norm. Well, I mean, except for when they like cover the nameplate with tape, <laughs> tape, tape, tape right. when they bought the, you know, they bought the bash some skulls at Occupy right, or, right. Or, or Ferguson. But I mean, I, I, I it's true. And I just want to say we've, we've been we've been joined by our producer Richard. Hello, say hello to Ken Richard. Uh, hey there. Uh, sorry for the delay. No worries. I figure ask, my asking to do this at 10 p.m. is not maybe the most optimal time for you guys, so I appreciate it. Oh, no, it's great. Actually, Richard has less of an excuse because uh, he's on the West Coast. So, uh, oh, anything, nice. I, for me, this is like the discourse after dark. For Richard, yeah, this yeah. is more like the discourse at you know dusk. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure. But we're glad to have you here because you know if yeah, I I'm the heart and soul of the show, but Richard is the, the brains, <laughs> <laughs> the the, bra- the brains and the dreads of the, of the discourse. Right. Uh, Adair is also the brains, but he's like the the left side that does math. Anyway, no, I was just gonna ask. You know, it seems like there is at least this tacit understanding if like if we can all agree that ice agents cbp danger agents are not in any actual physical danger from having like their names in roles and basically the fact that they work there leak i you know it, it seems like there is this kind of like knowledge that their work is shameful or rather if not like knowledge that it's shameful knowledge that it is like polit- uh, politically and publicly not particularly very you know smiled upon right that there is some kind of like t- uh you know black stain on them for working at ice which i mean they should feel that way but you know they should quit then as opposed to just working in secrecy yeah it's interesting because the um the the memo itself when they're describing this uh twitter account that have been posting this stuff they also quoted him as having said um as having you know cited as a kind of rationale for posting all this information um his, his opposition to um uh i can't remember what the Term, what the terms he used was, but he basically said like that they have baby cages, um, and so I thought that was interesting that there was a sort of political um, nature to 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 this sort of catalyst for for these new secrecy measures. They do have baby cages. That's we we've seen the pictures. They're they're tiny and the bars are closed together. So like right. you know they're not for they're not for adults. Uh, so it's either for babies or some other tiny creature. Right. Uh, but no, I mean I, I guess like that's. Like, but you know, you work at the baby cage factory, the pl- the place where they uh where they cage the babies, and you don't want to be like associated with it though in like your personal life, which which to me seems like t- uh, at least at a core level you understand that it's wrong. Yeah, you'll notice the saying that they always say when, when people are you know don't want to have dragnet surveillance by the NSA. They always say, well, what have you got to hide? You'll notice that only goes one direction. That only applies to the public. And when we say, well, what do you guys have to hide? To um, you know the federal intelligence agencies; they never seem to have to answer that or have that sort of burden of <laughs> burden of proof to have to answer to. Uh, I know what I have to hide. It's you know all my crimes, but that's also what they have to hide. <laughs> it's just that's, uh, <laughs> but the difference is that I don't use tax dollars to pay for my crimes. It's just like I, like I use uh, the money I make from wage labor. <laughs> oh, I I was just uh, picking up and I was looking at some of what you've been uh, talking about and you've been tweeting and also wrote about as well. And uh, the I don't know if you guys touched on it uh, yet, but the uh, the NSA connection interested me. I don't know if you would if you hadn't if you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so I had a source. I have to be vague because people can get in a lot of trouble for these things. They get polygraphed um, if you're in the intelligence community against. Um, talking to talking to the press 
um, I have to be vague, but this person is an official within uh, one of the um, intelligence community um, components who had informed me um, maybe a couple months ago, I think, that um, ICE had received from the agency that this person worked for um, in some NSA detailees um, from the you know National Security Agency that uh, these guys are very, I mean, this is probably the most sophisticated, like kind of tech spying agency in the world. And they, we all know about them from the Edward Snowden disclosures. Um, you know, they basically hoover up as much communications data as they can, not just of, um, I mean, their focus is supposed to be, you know, um, foreign uh, governments and kind of adversaries like China, Russia, Iran, so on and so forth. But um, we also found that they were collecting a lot of our own stuff too. And so this person who told me this was very surprised that ICE had gotten an NSA detailee because as I said a moment ago, this is a very sophisticated agency that's that's tasked with like hacking into some of the most um, tightly guarded um, secrets of um, foreign foreign governments. And so the notion that they're helping with this, you know, frankly, sort of um, not particularly sophisticated law enforcement agency, ICE, that, that is just, you know, um, deporting people, um, this person was very shocked by because that, uh, that uh, to this person was not one of something they had seen in the past. So I, I just thought that was a sort of interesting bit of color to include the article to give um, readers a sense of, um, as you said a moment ago, this drift towards increasing um, secrecy and, and, and privileges. And, and I also wonder, I, I just, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, it is something that Richard and I have been, you know, interested in. One reason that we wanted to have you on the show earlier is that your previous work when it came to the FBI documents and the increased, you know, the increasing definition or mandate on what groups should be targeted by the FBI as like domestic threats. Uh-huh. And if, if, you know, how that fits into this conversation, or rather if it fits in this conversation about just the various aspects of the security state, you know, widening their net over like what constitutes like a threat to America right. until, you know, it basically just blankets everybody. Yeah. So um, several months ago, I had leaked to me um, a series of documents from inside the FBI that um, detailed what are called their counterterror priorities list. Um, and so it's the things that consider most important among their counterterror concerns. And this isn't just a symbolic sort of, um, you know, rubric. This actually determines where resources are directed and, and, and what they're going to, you know, um, in a really practical sense, focus on for that year. And um, what, what I was surprised by to see, I got, let's see, I think it was fiscal year 2018, 2019, and 2020, um, was that they had a group called Black Identity Extremists, quote, and in their definition of it, um, they included uh, as sort of context um, in in sort of defining w- where this group came from explicitly the Ferguson um, anti you know police um, violence um, um, protesters the, the the Black Lives Matter folks in Ferguson and so I was really I found that sort of chilling that that um, they would put that on their counter terror parties list next to like Al Qaeda affiliates and um, you know <laughs> ba- some some actually bad hombres. <laughs> as it were, um, and and that they would consider this like a top priority. And what I found was that um, after sort of Congress made a fuss about this, they changed the wording uh, to something that sounded like a little bit more palatable, but they kept the same definition essentially. So they changed it from black and extremists to um, something like racially motivated violent extremists. So it doesn't have the word black anymore, but then you look at the, <laughs> you look at the constituent definition, it's the same thing. So they just, it seems like uh, window dressing to me. 
I mean, you would think that that sounds like they're going after like the KKK or something, but it's well, actually, that's what was and, interesting and the, about it. Yeah, they, they 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 put they did list white supremacists on it, but the um, the the details that they used to describe. I mean, it's nuts that they would equate the two. Like in in their own definition, you know, you can think of endless examples of white supremacist groups perpetrating violence and you know that resulted in deaths. Um, and then when they get to the um, black identity extremists, so called. I think I don't think they were able to produce a single example of of, of any deaths that were risen from it. So yeah, it's crazy that they are putting these things on the same sort of footing. It, it's just it's just hoteps. It's just black eyed extremists. <laughs> <are> just, <laughs> just the are just the hoteps. It's, it's the people who sell you uh, uh, that that like like their interracial uh, sex novel and the, the <laughs> Q trade at like one o'clock in the morning. It's interracial Mac and Seven, like the reckoning. <laughs> I, I do know that they that they that they call the the black identity extremists, and, and if that is still a thing that they're doing, they they definitely have this show marked. Uh, I think that we've we've yeah, reached that I mean, level of. of I, yeah, I presume they were listening. You know, is like on that note. Just quickly, I don't know exactly what we were we we're covering here, but I was one of the things that leaps to my mind with all the talk of the alphabet agencies and just you know that specific points we just raised there. Uh, in all of your you know, quests to seek out this information, ha have you ever felt, like, intimidated in any way by any of the types of just stuff that you hear or anything along those lines? I'm primarily scared for my sources. I don't want my sources to get in trouble because they can get in quite a lot of trouble for these kind of things. And, you know, you get to know them. They have their own, you know, concerns and, and, and they have families and things. Um, so I definitely stay up at night worrying, but it's primarily about them because I, you know, to be frank, I think they're the ones that are in, um, real danger. Um, at least, um, you know, comparatively speaking, like, I mean, mm -hmm. I, they could come after a reporter, but I just, it's, it, I can't, um, it, it seems sort of silly for me to worry more about myself than, than the, than the person that's actually, you know, potentially violating the, the law by, by giving me these things. I just got an, an impression from the boldness in your reporting of something like that, and so it's 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 interesting to hear you say it. So uh, I'll let it go or continue. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, I mean, it's a sensible question. It's it's more just like you, you see these very honorable people like risking themselves to try to inform the public. So when I see that, it's kind of like, well, I, I can't, I can't, you know, worry about myself too much when there are these people putting their neck out like they do. So I, I don't know, it's sort of inspiring, I guess. That's very honorable. I mean, I think that, and not that, not to make you worry more, but we don't do a good job of protecting, uh, or rather valuing, with people who come out as whistleblowers in this country. Uh, I mean, you referenced Edward Snowden, and we know that's probably one of the best examples, along with people like Julian Assange, even if he's not an American citizen. But then there's reality winner, and just the endless number of people prosecuted under the Espionage Act by Obama, and you know, et cetera. Yeah, this stuff is really ramped up and it causes a lot of stress. I mean, it really hurts the public because um, even if you don't approve of those specific cases, I can tell you firsthand that people are, you know, terrified to talk to the media. So it's going to directly affect, if you're a consumer of news, you're going to be getting much less in the way of um, leaks that afford you um, insight into what the government is up to because everyone's so scared. I mean, they're making examples of these people. They're not just, so when they throw someone in jail, it's not just that person they're throwing in jail. It's that everyone else that gets scared um, as a as a as a um, as a byproduct of that. There's been a bit of a sensationalization of the threat of journalists or so-called journalists uh, under Trump. But I think this this point that we're talking about here and the uh, the uh, extent of the different 
uh, leakers and so on and so forth that we uh, mentioned is that uh, it's been both a, a bipartisan and long-term thing, but under Trump it has has taken a notice, noticeable escalation towards some of the uh, the real kind of threatening uh, posture of it. Is that something that you would also uh, say you would seen? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I know people in the FBI and, and Justice Department, and, and um, it sounds like, I mean, this is sort of, it's kind of rumors, but I mean, they do say that they're that, that the Justice Department is, is is looking for journalists that they can try to make an example of, and I, I do think we see that, particularly in the um, criminal complaint against Assange, because they're not just charging him for publication; they're charging him for what they call as conspiracy. They actually try to conflate the publication of classified information with a conspiracy to um, obtain it, which is extremely dangerous because any um, investigative reporter. Um, knows that um, the process of getting to know people and asking them questions could easily be um, framed in such a way as to, um, I think, mislead the public into thinking that they are they are somehow part of some some um, um, criminal effort to get get information out. So I think that's a really dangerous direction that's going, and I do think it's one that they that they want it to go. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I think there's a lot of trepidity on, on, on the part of um, justice to sort of see how much can we get away with, how much is the public going to let us get away with, because um, that's really the check on, on, on their power is, is if people get, get upset about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, you know, Richard makes a really good point, and, you know, I think it's, it's a shame that, like, the, re- the reality of danger that you're talking about, it, it feels like that's less what people, or rather that's less what has come to define like Trump's antagonistic relationship with the jur- with journalism when people talk about it, and more like his like his personal various spats with like journalists and like <laughs> and, and like uh, really just like pundits online right. versus like the actual like you should mention like the kind of undercurrent of threats and fear that keep people from actually being able to do like the job that you're doing. Exactly. The, the complaint is always this sort of spectacle that you see. Meanwhile, in the background, significantly worse things are happening that are, in fact, um, um, a sort of intensified um, version of, of, of what had preceded um, the administration for, for years and years prior. I actually, you know, this is, this is something you shouldn't admit, but I, I can remember what my point earlier was about your uh, CBP leak and like the expanding definition of the organization you know allowing them affording them more like secrecy and spying intelligence community roles like you know oftentimes when we talk about ICE and we talk about the the cons- uh, the the Customs and Border Patrol uh, agents, like we do frame it as though like it's a problem, like it's a fascistic Gestapo-esque, you know, problem, but it's one that's sort of like cordoned off to this, you know, if not external threat like an out group or an other group within our society but i think that you know your reporting raises like you know at least in my head raising the concern that like ice and customs and border patrol like that like if not them specifically but that type of like vigorous for lack of a better word uh policing is or rather like their role it might be expanding to not just be it's mission creep right going from like dealing with immigrants to like well maybe there are some uh, people at home who fit, you know, who like who we should be spying on be- because of their relationship to the, you know, et cetera. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, 100. percent There's mission creep not just in Afghanistan and Iraq, but that happens with law enforcement as well. I mean, you give these guys a bunch of money and more authority, pretty soon they're going to start finding ways. It's like the old saying: 
um, when you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing with the um, immigration services right now. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking that again, like when they when they uh, Trump tweeted out, which is his way of like floating an idea sometimes, that <laughs> right. like you know, uh, which you never know if he's being serious, which right. is, is equal parts horrifying and sometimes hilarious. But like you know, <laughs> where the camps that we now use to, to house detainees and uh, uh, asylum seekers, like well, maybe they could house the homeless as well. And it's like I think I think that's the kind of connection that is important to draw in people's heads, where it's like yeah, ICE is a problem, but like it's kind it's been kind of like racialized it's like it's a problem that affects like you know immigrants and uh, and like and if you're like you know undocumented workers if you're like on the left or like you know or like if you're on the right like illegals but like it's still very easy to conceptualize that as a problem for other people that we're just caring about and not like the you know which is good and, and admirable and something we should do but not see it as like an encroaching threat on our, our own civil rights yeah yeah, exactly. I have to mention the FBI documents you revealed again because I, I noticed that the the anti-black identity extremist group was called Iron Fist. And I wonder if you can comment on whether that's a reference to like the Danny Rand uh, Netflix show or if it's just like, you know, like a literal like Iron Fist to crush black people with. I, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to that. No, not, 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 that, not you, Richard. Obviously not you. I, I meant Ken. If Ken could comment on the oh, name. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was sort of this cartoonish term. Oh, my, oh my God. As I, as I got the documents, I'm sort of looking over them, and it was like, felt very surreal because um, part of the um, black identity extremist um, counter-terror priority, they have to define, okay, what are you going to do to counter this supposed terror threat? And um, they, they, use the, they have an operation codenamed Iron Fist for how they are going to try to recruit informants from inside of these, you know, so-called black identity cells and um, surveil them and uh, try to, you know, find charges against them that they can use. Um, and so the term itself was interesting because generally code words are not supposed to be vivid. They're supposed to be um, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're practicing intelligence and, and following the sort of methods um, the, the way they're trained to do, it's the, the words are supposed to be, they're often kind of boring. They're kind of like, um, I don't know, like, like Operation uh, Red Red Rocks or something, or like, um, you know, Operation Weep, Weeping Bush or something. It's just not supposed to make any, it's not supposed to, it, it's not supposed to have anything to do with anything. Because it, and so to see Iron Fist, it just like really stood out to me and, and it didn't resemble any of the other code names that I've seen and I've gone over a lot of, um, you know, either declassified or uh, leaked intelligence agency documents um and then of course there's the comic side of it from the <laughs> just how absurd it is that they would use a term like that to refer to something they're doing to human beings well i feel like the but, appropriation of the fist also is fitting too but go ahead. I, need, I, I just need you to say you know this is a christian show i need you all to stop <laughs> saying the word fist in weeping bush uh so casually i don't i don't want to get the censors down on us uh, <laughs> This is a family. It's a family show. Is this a Chris is a, a Jesuit scream. Please don't. Uh, uh, please do not use those terms here. Uh, but no, yeah, it, it is very vivid. It is. It's a very vivid term. But you know, and I see like animal rights activists and environmental ex environmental extremist groups, and it's like you know anti authority extremists. But 
you know, like when you put that in conversation, like anti-black identity extremists in the conversation of like the the Black Lives Matters movement taking off, uh, animal rights and environmental extremists, like in the kind of the conversation with like the more like the more uh, aggressive demands for climate justice by you know people like the Sunrise Movement and other like you know uh, green groups. It's like it, these seem like literal like ta- like tactics to like crush. You know, not only like the like issue oriented leftist like organizations, essentially. I mean, of course, you know, you don't want to support the FBI, but PETA has become a problem. Admittedly, I don't know what we can do about it. But like this, this seems like a, an overreach that's like but a targeted one. Like these are groups that like are gaining more and more power as society kind of crumbles and are getting more and more popular support. So why not, you know, kind of stamp them out before that even occurs? Yeah, it does seem like a lot of paranoia, and people might not realize this, but again, I've spent a lot of time going over declassified documents because I think it's a good way to get a, a sort of primary source based look at what they're up to, or because or else you're just relying on people's testimony, which can be biased or you know, have agenda or whatever. When you go over the documents, is what you find is an extraordinary amount of paranoia. Like, for instance, if you look at the documents like the Civil Rights Movement or MLK. They were convinced that the, that the Russians are running everything, and, and it can't be that people are just, you know, have um, grievances in the U.S. There's got to be some kind of foreign government directing this thing. And so they became obsessed with trying to find how is communist Russia funding these things. And, uh, and you know, they, it, this kind of stuff carries right under the present day. And it sort of makes sense because the more you, under, you know, something that I've come to understand about these agencies is, they're designed to counter foreign influence, and so because of that, they presuppose foreign influence in a lot of ways. And um, I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as foreign influence, but I'm, again, I'm saying if, if what you've got is a hammer, you're going to find a nail everywhere. And so um, it, it's almost comic when you read some of this stuff, how they become convinced that the Chinese are, are behind something, or the Russians are behind something, or the Iranians are behind something. Um, and, it can, and it can lead to some quite, um, you know, uh, kind of comic... Um, outcomes, but it can also be pretty scary too. I think. I think it speaks a bit to an ongoing uh, conversation that we've been having here about whether uh, various components of this, these machines are sincere in their beliefs, or if it's uh, simply a propaganda effort. And I feel like uh, in a lot of those primary documents, they, the description that you have of interacting with them is it comes off as a lot of it is a sincere paranoia, and all, even if it does also have a propaganda totally. angle. Totally. Yeah, no, I agree. That's something I've seen that I really think people don't understand is the extent to which the purveyors of propaganda end up believing it. The, 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 you know, the, the drug dealer ends up dipping into his own supply. You see that so much. I cannot exaggerate. Like, it's not like the movies where they're cynically cackling and and they know that everything they're saying is a lie. It just, um, you know, I know some of these folks, it becomes easier to live your life if you can just believe in what you're doing and, and, and not think how absurd it all is. Um, so, yeah, you can't overstate that. I mean, I think that's a good point, too, that Richard made and also that, you know, you clarified because we've also been talking a lot about, like, the ways in which just, like, not only fascist, not only, like, fascistic organizations rely on this, like, complex ratio of, like, grifters, like, people who are actually like, cackling their hands. Like, you know, you have, you have like, a Nixon at the top who's like, yeah, I, I, I just want to, like, oppress hippies and black people. <laughs> uh, so let, let's do drug laws. But, like, how a lot of that is propped up by just, like, you know, 
essentially staffing people who are true believers and yeah if you get a few people who aren't necessarily true believers into that mix like they'll like like you said it's easier to live their life if they start you know actually like actively believing the the propaganda and the hype that they're selling so i mean i think it's you know it's, it's interesting that like from the outside to think of all these people as like actively in or if not in on the like uh, actively in on like the grift or the con like knowing that like this the fbi or this is all like a way to you know expand secure security apparatus it like it, instead it's actually just like no like they like they are true believers to some degree uh makes it make, makes it sort of like it, it's easier to understand how there is all of this uh you know how these systems function right like as opposed to like thinking everyone has to be constantly whipped to do their job and yeah exactly that's what makes, yeah i would say it's more like it's more like dr strangelove than than like jason Bourne. <laughs> it's more yeah. of a comedy than a than a than a kind of like hard-boiled um thriller and i feel like just the general observations and connecting of those things is typically and we see it uh now as well but like painted as conspiracy rather than observation of, of patterns that we see and so so like if that makes sense i mean like it just patterns that you talk about like the, the history of these like you know like fbi and intelligence agencies like infiltrating black groups like just reading like over the documents and like it, it almost seems as though like they're lamenting the like the steps that like the black identity extremist groups take to like ensure that they're not being infiltrated by the fbi but you're like yeah of course they do it's like you guys have been assassinating black identity <laughs> extremists you know by one name or another for you know as long as they've been as long as you've been around right. it's like so of course they'd have these like these counter steps with you exactly in mind because it, you know like it's it, you, like you're who they've been primarily facing for like the, their entire existence right. you know but i mean it's also and i think your work is important in this field because it's also easy to like frame that interaction between the fbi and black groups as though it happened in the past and is not still happening because you have the fbi even like just this month despite the fact that they were going after black identity extremists as you know as recently as two years ago and, and probably still now like talking about how like you know martha king jr day it's just like martha king jr would have been a black identity extremist yeah you know what they remind me of it's almost like the, it's like the male feminists that are like a little too performative in their enthusiasm for it and it makes you suspicious and then you look into it and it's like oh my god they're actually covering for something and that's sort of the tone I feel like the FBI is where they're very performatively like and okay we love them yeah and it's like oh that's funny I wonder why they're saying that and you like look into it it's like oh god <laughs> it's like oh they're building still named after the orchestrator of his assassination I, I, I guess that makes sense yeah <laughs> I mean, they could. I mean, they could name it after him. That would just be rude, right? <laughs> like, but yeah. So I mean, like, I think that's why that kind of. I mean, there are many reasons why this kind of reporting is, is important. But like, a lot of the, I feel, uh, you know, within our kind of uh, the way in which we've been like indoct not indoctrinated, socialized to think about like civil rights and race and uh, like the movements for civil rights and like the like you know the the oppression of marginalized groups in that sense it's very deeply rooted in like the 60s and in the past and understand like that, that kind of stuff never stopped neither like the civil rights movement kind of stopped because a lot of the fbi fbi assassinated a lot of people but uh you know like but like this this dynamic of like the of government organizations trying to take down these threats by you know one way or another has like never actually stopped and it's been you know consistently uh tied to some kind of foreign foreign influence that's a way to I don't know. It, it, it feels, you know, it feels, 
a little bit like of a reach to say like it's like a modern day like drapedomania like you know like the slaves are up like are you know are getting uppity and we have to figure out so you know like and it has to be for an influence that's making them that way as opposed to just like the realities of like being black in america and so like it provides uh, some better understanding and i guess a slight ease of frustration in the inability to have any sort of proactive approach to it because of uh, fundamental assumptions that they're making about society and how what is at the root of the problem and that from at least a, 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 a decent chunk of people or a decent chunk of their psyche is a, a real sincere belief that the way to resolve these issues is you know more policing more surveillance more of everyone else but them of course and uh, like all of those types of things and so when they sometimes uh, go even beyond what seems to fit into the, the the framework of their ideas of justice and righteousness, uh, when they seem to step outside of that, it's braced by a sincere belief, more so, as well as in some cases a you know a willingness to do malicious intent. And it's just, I guess that's one of the just fascinating things that I get from and talking with you is that when you, you read the documents, uh, that what you see, and I'm just curious, is that are there other kind of uh, curious things that have come up that maybe didn't fall into a, a report that made sense but that you've just uh peculiarities in these that were just uh fascinating or interesting i would say yeah the extent to which they believe in 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 what they're doing um because they always have a rationalization for it they're never I've, i don't think i've ever seen it where they're just like yep we're just doing this bad thing and i don't really give a shit it's usually like and we have to do this to counter the you know overwhelming threat of such and such like, um, for example, um, I got some Pentagon documents that I published in The Intercept a couple months ago showing that they were surveilling, like, a totally harmless, like, church group that wanted to, that went to do some nonviolent demonstration in front of a, I think it was a, I think it was an ICE facility. Maybe it was a, it was a CBP facility. I can't remember what it was. But they were housing migrants that they, that they had planned to um, deport. And, um, and in, within it, they have this whole intelligence um, assessment uh, threat assessment saying saying what sort of um, baleful forces they're trying to um, beat back um, by surveilling this completely harmless um, kind of I think it was like a religious group of like I think it was Jewish folks and and Lutherans if I remember correctly but um um and and yeah within it was just this like justification that reading it you can't read it with a straight face but it, it does sound like someone who is convinced that um, you know, the country's being infiltrated, we need to do something about it. And that cha- that's been quite different, because when I, as a kid, when I was younger, I'd come into this stuff, I was thinking, like, oh, who could possibly believe this preposterous stuff? They, it must just be power-tripping types. And, and, and yeah, I was wrong about that. They, they do believe that stuff. Well, quite a lot of them do. Yeah, I think it's because we're cynical. Like, I'm cynical, so I think that everyone else is engaging in this stuff cynically, right. too. And like I think it's it's a lot harder to conceptualize that like oh no like they just like <laughs> like this is what it means to be uh, a dangerous normie like you actually believe that <laughs> you know that we're being infiltrated by like Russian spies right. and then like and I mean like and it feels like that kind that 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 kind of madness that kind of madness infected like the populace for a long time with Russia like with the mm-hmm. whole like Russia and. I mean, this might have been more troubling for you than it was for me, like, but not not the Russia Gate, but like, like the mainstreaming of just like intelligence, uh, the intelligence community speech, like everyone just started speaking in like FBI, <laughs> FBI's, <Sigenton>. yeah, 
Everything was a psyop. Everything right, was right, compromat. Right. Everything was dif- disinformatia. And just like, like, dude, like you, like you're from Milwaukee. You just like stop <laughs> saying that. Like, it's like, like relax. What's so funny is they they use these terms to kind of um, in this pageantry to kind of be like, wow, they they know the secrets. And I can tell you, knowing these people, they don't know the secrets. They don't know much more than um, I mean, any pick whatever your subject is. You can go to university. Uh, whatever the big state university is where you live, I, I can almost guarantee you the professors know much more than the CIA or the you know FBI does about whatever the country is. Because these agencies are so indoctrinated and sort of socialized to believe certain things that it makes it really hard for them to think and act rationally um, um, on whatever their you know area of of, of operation or, or supposed expertise is. So so yeah, that that was another thing that surprised me because I came into it like I said, like you know, kind of watching Jason Bourne movies, thinking oh, wow, these guys have the secrets. They really know what's going on. And the thing is, it's not even so much a criticism of them. It's really hard to know a lot of stuff. And if you're tasked with basically countering foreign influence, that's going to color the way that, that that's going to color everything that you see. Yeah, I mean, like I think like the, uh, you know, Jason Bourne was the, was the intelligence community, like, propaganda of the past like you know the hype the hyper competent hyper skilled like yep. matt damon although I, I picturing matt damon as like a, a, a brilliant hand-to-hand fighter was always a little bit of a stretch uh, <laughs> for me i, I something about like the way his head is shaped like <laughs> he's like he's just like an evolved form of leonardo DiCaprio to me for some reason like he just <laughs> it's just like if you gave leonardo DiCaprio like a thunderstone it's like he would turn into matt damon or some shit uh but no i mean like it's you know, but like now we've kind of entered the era. Of, I mean, and that was also during the era of like twenty four and Jack Bauer, and like in like this idea that like the country is constantly under threat from uh, like militant, like militant terrorist terrorist organizations, like in the you know in the vein of like Al Qaeda or suicide bombers, and like even just like thinking back, I'm not thinking back, but reflecting on that, it seems like that went away for a few years under Obama. And then, like, the same kind of impulse came back again with, like, the Russiagate stuff. Where, like, and, and then it became, like, okay, instead of, like, these, you know, like, these little terrorist cells of, uh, you know, of Muslims, like, it, waiting to blow up a school. Like, now we have, like, the Americans. And, you know, and, uh, like, this is, we're all doing, cy- we're all doing cyber terrorism now. Every, everything is, like, it's, it's very, like, I don't know, trendy. Everything's very trendy. Oh, yeah. These, um, you know, I mean... These agencies, they can find if they can find a justification for something, they're going to get more resources and um, you know more work. So um, th- there's always that 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 paradox of that um, you know they're going to be um, drumming up challenges to justify to Congress you know continued spending or or privileges. I mean, well, now we have the space force, so like I, th- I think our threats are going to become a lot more interesting. Uh, although I-, I wonder, you know, that if we continue talking about your work and not me just making like a- occasional bad jokes, uh, like I wonder if, you know, if you find just like you know, broadly speaking, you, you you're engaging with a lot more secret documents than Richard or I are. Like if you find like the overall trajectory of like the security state to be troubling in context with a seemingly you know 
a, a Democratic Party or rather a Democratic Party base, like liberal base, that is more okay with the more with, like with like these outreaches than they would theoretically have been prior to Trump. Like where like you know obviously it became kind of like a meme where like the, there's like the deep state versus Trump because like obviously they are aligned on a lot of on a lot of things as your leaks show. But like there like there does seem to be some kind of tension there that like might end with uh, Trump being removed from office, but like more the the powers invested in them by a combating trump and also enacting his will leads to a security state that is even worse than prior to trump yeah this has been um a really counterproductive development i think is um sort of understandably scared people trying to look to some power center to protect them against this obviously lawless and um you know dangerous person and thinking oh gosh what do we do uh, he just won he's gonna be in there for four years it's like oh the fbi is gonna save us james comey's gonna save us um, and like, while I'm, you know, s- sympathetic to um, the sort of Stockholm syndrome that I think would 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 give rise to something like that. That's a really not constructive way to respond to. It. I mean, you beat politics with politics. You don't beat politics with this kind of fantastical um, thinking. And 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 what's more is um, if this is something that is going to get people to think less critically about, um, you know, this this segment of the government. I think that's also bad. Because one should be, you know, skeptical and, and, and critical of any any power center, including um, the, the the national security agencies, which have quite a lot of power and, and operate with quite a lot of secrecy. So, yeah, I think that's a really negative um, direction that that and sort of byproduct of the of the of the Trump years that that has had an effect on, on sort of liberal um, imagination. I think. As you, you mentioned uh, Comey in particular, and one of the things that reminds me of is that. It was not very long ago that uh, Comey among and Mueller among others were uh, exposed as having massive illegal domestic spy operations going on that were at the center of a lot of liberal uh, left rage, and to see how quickly uh, they were, uh, you know, kind of looked towards as saviors uh, or protection from uh, the obviously, as you said, lawless uh, presidency. was concerning to me and I was just wondering if like perhaps in your review of your own work and then just of other documents in your process if that also had some particular angle to it yeah it's 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 instructive to go back over the say Bush administration um, authorizations after 9-11 and it's really hair-raising the kind of stuff that they um, you know Mueller and 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 a lot of these guys that we're supposed to cheerlead for now um, had, had tried to pursue it was I mean some of this stuff was scariest things we could imagine Trump doing and of course 9-11 was different conditions I am not suggesting that Trump is better um, I think he just has less of a hand uh, less of a free hand to to do these sort of crazy things because fortunately there has not been something on the order of 9-11 um, but but yeah looking back at it it's I mean just simply reading history I think would 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 be a really nice corrective for for a lot of this, um, how do you say, like um, lionizing of these of these figures, and um, since I do declassified stuff, there's often a time there's a there's like a gap between when stuff tends to get released. There's a tendency to not want to release current um, and like um, more politically charged stuff. They'll release things from years and years ago, and so yeah, looking back at that, I'm just like, wow, like this is like amazing now that they're being welcomed with open arms by um, you know the very political blocks the liberals and progressives in during the Bush administration that, that rightly understood how dangerous they were. 
Oh yeah, I mean that's like that's been troubling, but it seems as though like uh, opposition to Trump is the the magic cure all that's going to reset a lot of people's careers and systems. Like even John Bolton is now like you know he's a hero oh, amongst the and it's like Jesus, it's like no, I mean and it's frustrating I think for me because you say reading history, I'm like it's frustrating for me because like you could just like look at their Wikipedia pages. It's like a lot of these organizations have Wikipedia pages that like have like a tab that says war crimes. You're like oh. exactly they're not even the information is all out there people have this cult of like what are the secrets and i know in the popular imagination i mean i've talked to these guys i've talked to fbi people i've talked to cia people and this is what the secrets are they go in and they say the printer doesn't work we have a dated computer from 10 years ago you know i can't i can't get an app on my work phone because it's such an old kind of version of a black bear or something like these guys do not know what you think they know (laughs) you know i mean the the this, the secret is that it's a big joke and that it's a it's as much of a dysfunctional mess as everything else um, in in government is. So um, if they could, uh, I wish the public wouldn't um, sort of endow them with these um, this sort of like priesthood status of like that they know all these all, they have all these secret in, insights and intuitions and things because the reality is they're just <laughs> just as confused as the rest of us at the, to say the very least. I think that's frightening, though. I mean, it's frightening for people to think about, like, the intelligence community as, like, sometimes it's, I think, more, you know, we, we've we been having a lot of conversations this week about the difference between, like, malice and incompetence, and, you know, like, and who's a grifter and who's a true believer. But I think it's also, like, sometimes, and I, I this is from, like, people actually listening to a lot of conspiracy, like, real conspiracy theorists, or, like, people who, like, believe in, like, real conspiracies, like, not, like, not anti-vaxxers, that's baby shit. Like, they believe that, like, they believe that, like, you don't need to eat food to exist. You're like, Oh, <laughs> you're like, so you're talking about like things that you can prove by like just existing. Like you don't have to do anything, just like nothing and you will see. But like, I mean, the point that like they they make about this kind of thing is that like sometimes it's like it's easier to believe that like in the hyper competence of the, you know, the FBI and but like you can rely on them like to be a useful a useful asset in your uh, you know in the main the maintenance of freedom when it's really like they're self-interested like there's like that whole like you know the bureaucracy the bureaucratization and administrative capacities of such a large organization make it really easy for people to fall into like that propaganda trap and commit atrocities but like either way they're not like competent enough to like you know, like they're they're not as competent as we ascribe them on, like as we ascri- we ascribe onto them, either. Yeah, I think is the point I'm trying to make. There. Exactly. Like it's yeah. Like it's a, exactly. It's a, yeah, it's sort of comforting to think that that there is some group of people out there that knows what's going on. And yeah. um, I love there's this Alan Moore quote that I just love. He says he says the reality is the world is rudderless, and that's not entirely true because you know there are you know there are institutions people work together and and, and you know we can. We can leverage our um, sort of collective um, will to 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 do quite incredible things, but there is a lot of rudderlessness and just and just chaos. And and this administration, I think, just lays bare that that reality. Well, we're running up on an hour, and you, I know you're a very busy guy. You've had a, you've had a very busy day, just like me. So, we're, so I consider you now to be a friend of the show. Uh, you and your brothers, I know, I know they're the ripped <laughs> ones, and you're and you're the tall one. So, but you, you know, you are. You're a... <laughs> I'm not even. I love this about that. I'm not even particularly bad looking, but then I get compared to these guys that are like extras in 300, and it's like, oh, well, of course I'm going to look like <laughs> like ordinary next. It's like, god damn, <laughs> get shafted.
I guess they could be extras in 300, but only because, like, people back then were, like, five foot four max. Like, the Krasantine bros are incredibly tiny, even by, like, my standards. Although, like, there is a myth on, like, there's, like, a myth online that, like, I'm cartoonishly short, but I'm, like, five, like, five ten, and, like, <laughs> everyone just, like, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's, like, and people, like, when people meet me in real life, they're, like, oh, you're taller than I'm, I'm, like, I'm incredibly average height. I don't know, like, how, like, how, why did you think I was super short? I think I'm average height and I'm wearing shoes. So, But you are a friend of the show now and are, I want to say our resident FBI expert. You know, yeah, tells, so, FBI cor- national security correspondent. How about that? National security correspondent and, you know, body language analyst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Read technique purveyor. <laughs> Uh, you know, just gesture interpreter, as like the kids, <laughs> as the kids say, and so I mean, we're gonna ask you your professional opinion on this, and feel free to like um, not answer vocally, but make some sort of like hand or face gesture to indicate uh, indicate a, a assent, not assent, what I'm looking for, uh, a yes answer. Um, do you, in your expert opinion, think that Pete Buttigieg is a CIA agent? Do you think you know? Do you think that he is? as I said on the show, spookier than Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. I have a different theory. I actually, this is funny you ask this, I actually specifically asked a recently retired FBI um, analyst friend of mine um, this, and um, he didn't work in Afghanistan, so he doesn't know directly, but he does know a lot of people in that world. And he told me that um, the story is that no, he's not. And they actually don't like him, um, I'm told, because they they think that he's cosplaying as that and trying to like um trying to like um like signal to a certain community that 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 he was that he was in that world and he was not and so there's actually a lot of tension about that and i think that that's consistent with um pete's um cv of sort of like um trying to get some superficial experience whether it's in the military right before you run for office or um you know um, doing this McKinsey stuff to try to bolster your resume. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's trying to um, uh, make himself look like someone who's in the know um, uh, about about these sorts of things. But again, I mean, this is one CIA analyst's um, sort of description of it. So uh, I, I, I don't know for sure either way. No, I like that. I, I like that, A, because it makes my point earlier about like people wanting to believe in the inherent like competence of yep. these institutions, even if they disagree with them like, yep. occasionally. Uh, it, like that, the fact that he's trying to like draw a point of legitimacy of the FBI by pretending like by, you know, by pretending to be a spook is just like the three. It's like it seems like 5D chest until you realize no one <laughs> likes cops, actually. <laughs> and so like it's really just like 1D chest. <laughs> like so not even like I guess the normal two dimensions that you can move in. It's literally just like you can move forward and back. So like it doesn't work at all. It works in either though. Isn't that kind of how like uh, Mancala works though? So I guess it does work. Anyway, no, I thought... That's how uh, Chinese checkers works. Right, right, go. I, I'm not a board game person. I like card games. Do you play Yu-Gi-Oh, Ken? Do you? Uh... I was a Pokemon. No, I was a Pokemon kid. I never got into Yu-Gi-Oh. I didn't fuck with that. Do you like shadow games? That's the kids. That's the kids are saying. What shadow no. games? It, it's it's you know I, I'll tell you off air. Uh, thank you for uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us on this uh, episode of the discourse. Why don't we end by you telling people where they can find you, as though they did not find this episode by you know you retweeting it ideally. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, Twitter is kind of like my uh, porthole into the uh, social media realm. Uh, I'm not really. I don't know that I'm on 
re- really engage in a lot of other ones, but just write at Ken Klippenstein, uh, K-E-N-K-L-I-P-P-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. I assume I'm the only <laughs> Ken Klippenstein. Um, reach out to me there. You got any tips? My DMs are open. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's how you find me. We're gonna put all we're gonna put all of that information into the description. So I mean, I just made you say it as a formality, so people can like feel like they're you know. Well, ain't no one text the description. It's all fine. Thank you for listening. <laughs>